Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Three, two, one, yo, what is going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere, welcome to the Hawk Talk Podcast, alongside me today, as per usual on the Friday show, the co-host Kyle Sutherland, how are you doing, fine sir? Keeping my head on a swivel man, just waiting for more news, I swear it's like every time we record, or at least once a month, as we are doing it, then we're getting breaking news, and breaking news is hitting left and right, mm-hmm. uh, as it has been lately. So, I've oh, man, got my I alerts. Still think on. We got a lot more to a lot more to come. I've got my alerts on. I fully expect there to be breaking news within the next twenty minutes. As soon as we go live, it's just uh, it's just a little insane. It seems like every time there's some sort of breaking news around uh, college athletics or the NCAA, or the drama down at Florida State with Norvell and all that crap that's going on. It's like, it's, it seems like on a, on the daily, really, there's something crazy going on, but it's extra crazy when you and I come together to record these Friday episodes on Thursdays. Um, we're going to start off first, well, actually, before we, we dive into the Discord questions, if you guys would, either while you're listening now or when you're done listening to this episode, please feel free to rate and review the podcast. We would really appreciate it. It goes a long ways for us. And I know I don't I don't think it's just iTunes that does the rating and reviewing. I don't think Spotify does, but I think there's some others other platforms that you can do that. But where well, if you can on iHeart. I know you can comment on iHeart. I can't remember if you can like actually Give a star rating, but I know that you can leave your comments about hey, it. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take comments on iHeart yeah. for anyone that's listening over there. Okay, Discord. We asked this question at twelve forty today on Thursday. So if you're if you're listening, obviously it's a little too late. Jarrett Carrot, <laughs> uh, do you think? And this is a good question because this was kind of the this was the story yesterday about Nebraska and the Big Ten. But he says, do you think Nebraska or Ohio State could join the SEC for a season? And does Arkansas have a chance against Georgia and Florida? Uh, I'll start off with nothing. Like I told Kyle before we started recording, and I told these guys in the Hog Talk chat that were in the group chat, nothing surprises me anymore. I, I, I don't think that that happens. I don't think Nebraska would join. I mean, I'm sure they would want to. I think their their entire administration from the top down seems the, the the narrative over there is that they want to play football, no matter if it's in the Big Ten, the PAC, the SEC, anything could happen. Um, Ohio State, no, they're they're cowards. They're cowards. They wouldn't join a real conference. Um, and does Arkansas have a chance against Georgia and Florida? I'm just going to say if 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 it happens, if it happens, and we always have to we always have to say that when we talk about. You know these matchups with this 2020 roster and the way things are going. I would say no. I think Georgia three, four touchdown. I mean that's where I would be. Three or four touchdown difference there. I think they would probably beat Arkansas pretty bad and Florida probably two or three scores. 
I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? I think it's really going to depend. I, I don't think Arkansas is going to win either one of those. We talked about that on Monday's show. We actually, when we had Ellis Talbert from the 4th and 16 podcast, we mentioned all the games, and, and myself, Porter, and him went through and made our predictions. And I don't have Arkansas winning either one of the games, but I said for at least the Georgia game, since that's going to be at home, it really just depends on positioning. Let's just say that they get them like maybe weeks five through eight, just generally speaking. I still think it's going to be between like a 17 and 21 point game at best. But with Sam Pittman knowing that team the way that he does, especially knowing the offensive line, probably the defensive line a lot as well too, just because his group went against them so many times. And and it is going to be an entirely new offensive line because like what, two of them went in the first round and then another one went in like the third or fourth. So it is going to be a new team to an extent, um, at least from his perspective. But I still think that Arkansas can stay competitive with Georgia so long as they get them, again, like in the middle of the season, maybe towards the back end. But it kind of goes the same with Florida. Florida's going to be an away game, and Porter actually made a really good point, too, that away games are not going to be what they typically are in terms of home field advantage because you're not going to have a full-capacity stadium. You really might not even have but 25% of that. So um, I, I think that this team will I, – I said this time and time again with last year's team under Chad Morris, so it's a lot different. Uh, but I thought that they were going to be a lot more competitive but still not win a lot of games. I still think that about this year's team. I think that this year's team might win one game, possibly two. Uh, but it is – we're going to see a lot more competitiveness. But uh, to answer the question in simple terms, no, I don't think that either one's – that we're going to be either Florida or Georgia. And that is a good point because about away games, the, the point that Porter made because – your only real, your variable on the equation now, the thing that you're going to have to deal with is simply travel fatigue. I mean, and not yeah. not being used to playing at home. Like that's you don't have yeah. to worry about the crowd. What is the swamp without those crazy Florida Gator fans? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think that it's it's not the same. You know, that level of difficulty is way way down because you don't have people in the in the crowd or people in the stands. And that's, I mean, that's the most obvious thing we could say, but that's a really good point that no one has yet to make actually. Uh, yeah. Koala. Well, I don't know. One, the, oh. the Ohio state, uh, the Ohio state, Nebraska one. I'll say that oh, I yeah. don't think it's going to happen because you saw how hard that Nebraska was pushing to either join the big 12 or I even saw reports 30 minutes after the big 10, uh, the big 10 made their decision about uh, not playing that they had already reached out to the SEC within an hour, 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. But it seems like Kevin Warren and those officials, because Kevin Warren, his complete incompetence, we'll get into that. That guy's an absolute joke. But it's pretty. It's very clear to me that he and his staff, his, his little, uh, I like to call them minions at this point, they uh, do not seem <laughs> that they're going to allow anyone to go anywhere. Uh, just, I mean, complete, utter disaster in the in Big Ten country right now. I do feel bad. I've got a few Michigan f- friends, uh, Michigan fr- fans that happen to be my friends, and I, I, I can't even give them grief. I, I feel so bad for them. And, uh, but, yeah, we'll get into that whole deal, but the Big Ten is just a complete disaster. Right it's now. a joke. It's a joke. And, of course, of course they're the first conference to, to cave, although I thought it would be the pack, you know, because it's just a – there's a different mindset out west. I don't know. I, I think the west, they just – they're so entitled out west. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm not sorry, actually. I, they're so entitled. But it doesn't shock me that the Big Ten was the first to cave. Not that the SEC won't eventually. It could happen. 
you know, it sounds like the Big 12, they're going to, it's going down. Big 12 is, seems like, now I don't know if that was truly ever confirmed, but it sounds like the Big 12 is gun ho on having a season. But the SEC standing firm. We saw what Hunter Yurchak and Sam Pittman were saying that following morning. Uh, I think it was early Monday morning, in fact, when uh, this all started to kind of unravel. And then the hashtag, let us play, you know, was trending and let them play also, also the other hashtag, both those hashtags trending and Pittman and Hunter Yurchak. As far as I know, Hunter was the first to actually tweet among all the Power 5 ADs to let these kids play. So it's it's good to be at a school or to be fans of a school that it, despite having this, I don't know, the, the level of difficulty of this 2020 schedule, if it happens, holy God above, I've never heard of such a challenging schedule before, and I know you know, this is something that's already been talked about a lot, and by the time you guys are listening to this on Friday, it's old news, but that schedule is ridiculous, and yet here's Hunter Yurchak and Sam Pittman saying, bring it on. I love it. I love it, and I love it too because you're getting these kids, all these kids across Division One, across FBS and these Power Fives that are like, hey, let us play, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Koala says in Discord, he wants to know starting uh, defensive predictions who plays where? Um, mm. uh, that's that's uh, okay. Well, I think what most people are reporting is probably pretty accurate. As, again, assuming we have a season, I mean, it's hard not to look at Dorian Gerald at defensive end, uh, Jonathan Marshall, who will probably rotate with Matial Soli over there. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, uh, not. I meant to say uh, Turin Carter and, and Jonathan Marshall, the in, inside defensive tackle spot. Xavier Kelly, the transfer from Clemson, yeah. I fully expect him to, if he doesn't start, he's definitely going to be heavy rotation. I think he starts. Um, yeah, Matial Soli at the other defensive end spot. Probably linebackers, you know, outside of bumper pool and probably Grant Morgan, I don't. I don't really know what they do at the linebacker position because they're so thin there, and, and it also depends on what packages they fully install by that's, the time this all. That's exactly what I was going to say. So yeah. if if that's just a guess right now with Bumper, and I fully expect Bumper to be the guy, definitely at the at one of the linebacker spots. Corners is going to be your who you expect, right? McClellan, uh, Monteric Brown. You know, Greg Brooks is going to play that that nickelback position. Um, and obviously that's going to be more of like a hybrid linebacker position uh, or, or a fast linebacker, slow safety position. Uh, I, you know, and then I don't know about the safeties. Outside Joseph Fouché, who's, who's going to start at that free safety spot, I don't know at strong safety if it's going to be Jalen Catalan, Miles Mason. I don't know if they, if they push Slusher. I think Slusher is naturally more of a free safety, but he could he could rotate in that position. I'm very confident in Joseph in Joe Fouché. I truly believe his ceiling is. I really think he's a second or even maybe a first team All SEC caliber safety. Caliber. I'm not saying he gets that, but I think he's that caliber of player. I'm pretty high on Joseph Fouché. I know it's easy to watch film and to go, well, he missed that tackle, but guys. What you miss are the 99 other things that he does right. Um, he gets bragged on a lot, and I, I truly believe he is a high-caliber safety. Um, with with, with, with first-team all-SEC all safety, when it's all said and done, being the absolute ceiling, I mean, you don't get much higher than that. Uh, that's where I'm at. I don't know. I don't know if you have a whole breakdown or not. I, just, I know what I had written down a little while back, and that's what I was looking at. 
What do you? Yeah, think, lo- luckily, I mean, mainly for the sake of time, I actually I, I do agree with a lot of that. I think uh, I think in this situation, it's always hard to say because before the beginning of each season, because you've got new players and all that, but really more so this year, not because of the pandemic, because we didn't have spring practice, not because it's a new team. It's because we don't know, like you said, what packages they're going to run. Barry Odom likes to run the 3-4. He likes to run the 3-3-5. I think he does. I don't really remember a whole lot, but I do think he runs the 4-3 in certain occasions. But you're going to go probably with what's familiar, at least to start off with. So you'll have Soli. And I would think that Soli actually might be a little bit better of a pass rusher. I know that overall, as a complete defensive end, that Dorian Gerald is a little bit more established. But you'd probably want, since the the blind side of the quarterback in most cases would be the right side, you might have Soli there and have Dorian Gerald at the left end. And, yeah, I'm going to go Xavier Kelly or Jonathan Marshall, assuming they're running a 3-3-5. Xavier Kelly and Jonathan Marshall at the nose. I think bumper pull, you said it about linebacker. He's probably the mic. Let's say you got three linebackers on the field. You probably got him at the mic. Grant Morgan at the will, and then I would put probably Hayden Henry at strong side, at least as of right now, since those are the three that have the most experience. You still got Deion Edwards back there. You still got Andrew Parker. Don't really know exactly what they are going to do. Haven't seen really any of them at this point. And then in the secondary, on paper, you've got a bunch of guys that were four stars coming out. So there's a lot of opportunity there. I think, uh, yeah, you got Fouché at the free safety for sure. I think there's no question about that. Who takes over at strong safety? Will it be Jalen Catalan? Will it be Miles Mason? I think it's going to be Jalen Catalan, personally. He still has a lot to prove coming off of a couple of injuries dating back to high school. And then at the cornerback, Jarquez McClellan, is he going to step up? He's had some flashes, but what will he do? Monteric Brown, same thing. Um, and then you also look at the nickel spot. Um, Greg Brooks played, played there. I think he started every game. As a true freshman, my, um, who's the Micah Smith? Almost said Miles Mason. Micah Smith's another one, and also they they're looking at Greg Brooks at nickel too. So that's what I've heard. So uh, I think that that's going to be kind of the nucleus, the names that we named. Somebody probably will come out of nowhere at one or two spots, but I think for sure Barry Odom's going to go with some familiarity at least to start off just because of how the things have happened this offseason. And the good news too at that position is you actually have pretty good depth in the defensive back area. Like, and in, in I saw that. One of the questions a while back was, and I think it was in our Discord, as a matter of fact, was, was adding more depth to the defensive backs like in this class. And I'm thinking, man, they're they're pretty stacked. Like, yeah, they're probably going to go after some more, but they're so stacked. We forgot about, you know, you've got Devin Bush. Remember he was on the – he was in the transfer portal, was rumored to be in the transfer portal. Remember if he ever actually got in there or not. And then uh, Odom and Pittman convinced him to stick it out, and he's going to be in the rotation somewhere. I think he's a very talented, uh, very talented player. He's got a little bit of speed underneath him. He's a really good, really good cover guy, man-to-man cover. I can remember that being something bragged on as during his recruiting process is that he was he's capable of being an All SEC lockdown caliber corner. He's just got to, you know, just needs to stick it out. And uh, I, I'm excited to see where he goes. And, and yeah. You brought some really good points. We've there's Miles Slusher back there, who everyone's really yeah, excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's I love where the 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 fact that you have the depth there. I'm just so concerned about linebacker. It's like the front seven could really be your weakness this year, assuming even if you keep Monte Alsoli and and you get Dorian Gerald to actually play a full season, if you could stay healthy, you're still going to be – that's your thinnest. Your front seven is really thin. Your secondary is actually where you have the most depth. 
Quality depth? I, we don't know yet. We don't know. You got some. You got some star power back there. I mean, you know, Slusher was a four star at safety. Devin Bush was a four star, if I remember correctly. Uh, Monteric Brown was a four star safety. Of course, they bumped him down to a corner. Uh, moving on to the next question, really quick. Uh, let's see. What can you realistically see now? This is this is from Zach Street in our Discord. This is a loaded question. Uh, or questions. What can you realistic realistically see for the next five years for the men's basketball team? Or do you think, or what what do you think will happen with Coach Muss at the helm and the ability to recruit? How many tournament appearances, Final Fours, SEC champs, <laughs> draft picks, all things like that? He goes on to say, "I'm all about basketball hype train right now. I got myself a golden ticket." Hmm. <laughs> um, I. Look, I think the ceiling, most fans would agree, is pretty damn high. I mean, he's already shown, like, look, I'm going to get the in-state guys or the guys that have connections, obviously with this last class that just came in. Anyone who's got connections to the state or to the university, um, I'm going to get them. And he did that. You know, minus one, okay? You look at this next class, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about basketball commits here in just a second. But you picked up Chance Moore. That's an out of state four star ESPN top fifty that you just picked up. I think the the ceiling is really high. I'm not going to. I can't go on about Final Fours, SECs, uh, SEC championships, all that. I, I can't do that. Draft picks and things like that. I I can't go that far because I, I'm. I don't really I don't like to project that far out because it's a it's a year by year scenario. Anything can happen at any given time. Um, if he sticks it out though over the next three to five years, Arkansas basketball I think is going to go far beyond what Mike Anderson was ever able to do in the in the amount of time that he was here. And that's nothing against Mike. I honestly hate that he didn't work out. I hate it. I you know I was that Nolan Richardson style of basketball is so. It's so attractive to fans, and everyone wanted him. Hell, I remember the bumper stickers up here in Fayetteville. Uh, I support Mike, or I stand with Mike. And this happened like two years after he was hired on. These bumper stickers were everywhere around Fayetteville. And I was one of those people that agreed and believed in what Mike Anderson could do, and obviously it just never really panned out. He definitely took them to the next step, getting over that hump to being at least a somewhat consistently, you know, somewhat respected SEC program, but never really got you beyond that. I think I think uh, Musselman does that. I think he, he gets you over that hump and then maybe more. I don't know. As far as draft picks, again, I'm not I'm not going that far. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not quite ready to say final fours or we still got to get to the sweet sixteen first. Now that's not really fair to say this year because he didn't get the he didn't get the chance to uh, get uh, solidify a NCAA tournament berth or even get past the first game of the SEC tournament. But we go back to on paper, everything's looking pretty solid, and he's he's doing well in the the recruiting trail. As you mentioned, just got Chance Moore, and then also the I cool Mawain. I'm I know Mawain. I know we probably both will butcher that name, <laughs> but uh, doing really well for 2021, and obviously killed it for 2020, and got a very very good coaching staff. I mean, Chris Crutchfield leaves a very solid recruiter that has Buddy Hield and uh, Trey Young to his name from Oklahoma. You replace him with David Patrick, another phenomenal recruiter, has some great ties to Australia. Of course, you look at Ben Simmons, Patty Mills, uh, Andrew Del Vadova, and Like, yeah, the whole – I mean, Corey Williams, 
got had head, head coaching experience from Stetson, from Stetson. And then you look at Clay Moser, a really solid analytics guy that is really great from that background during his coaching time. Coach LeBron coached uh, also Kobe. So these guys have a lot of stuff that they can sell to recruits. And like, not just can we get you to the NBA, we know what it's like. And we've touched on this many times. We know what it's like to be in NBA draft rooms. And they, so they know all this stuff. And I keep reiterating that when we talk about Musk because it is so crucially important with the way that college basketball has gone now to, look, I'm going to come in, and if I can get out of here in one year, that I'm going to the league. Yeah. So, uh, so far, what he's done is phenomenal. I think with Coach Musselman at the helm, we're certainly anywhere from 20 to 25, 27 range every single year. I think that's definitely possible. For sure, 20 to 25 wins, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, I'm not quite ready to say that, uh, that he's going to take us to Final Fours yet because – Realistically, this is like what is going into his sixth year of college experience. And so we still got to prove that. And that's really what it boils down to. But I think that he's definitely capable of it. Well, and a lot of the hype that we have obviously is, you know, as we go into his second season, it's 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 mostly that he he did what a lot of people thought that he wouldn't be able to do, which was get them these big wins. Like you go on the road, you beat Indiana. Right, you're competitive in the SEC. You find a way to win 20 games. You weren't, you were not an early exit, which you know I think I don't know who how if, if the SEC tournament could have continued, I don't know how far he would have gone, but he he continued to kind of defy what everyone was predicting this team to do. I mean, Jacob and I both sat here, you know, a year ago and said, ah, I'm thinking between 14, maybe maybe 16 games if he's lucky. I mean, you think about the time they didn't have Isaiah Joe on the court, and even when they had him and he was injured, you know, there's no doubt had had Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe been healthy all season long, I think that was a tournament caliber team. He defied expectations year one, and then you combine that with this class, you combine that with Vanover and these transfers. I mean, guys, this this roster moving forward is is pretty ridiculous. I mean, if if you have a 2020 slash 2021 season, if it happens, you've got Isaiah Joe at guard, Desi Seals, J.D. Note at guard, Ethan Henderson, I can't pronounce this other guy's name, Abiyomi Ayola uh, at forward. He's actually out for the year. He tore his ACL. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm looking at this, not even thinking of that. But you've got Ethan Henderson at forward, Connor Vanover is going to be your forward. Jalen Williams, you got Moses Moody, KK, Devontae Davis. You've got uh, uh, Maywin, who we're going to talk about here in a second, that committed, the Juco commit. A, a call Maywin. I think I'm, like you said, we're going to butcher it. And then Chance Moore, who I just mentioned. The future is so freaking bright with this team. It's ridiculous. Um, in a good way. In a good way. So, I don't know. Sky's the limit. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Trip. On Discord's, <laughs> he's going at this again, Kyle. If you were the man in charge, what would you do to change any decisions made by the Power Five conferences so far? And then he says, "Yep, doing this again." Uh, I don't know, man in charge of what? Like the NCAA? Is that what we're talking here? Because I don't know. I would imagine so. And, and you know, speaking of that, Ty, I, I saw that Richard Davenport, uh, the recruiting guy mentioned about how like he likes the idea of each conference being able to kind of dictate uh, what they want to do. And I, th- I know you commented, I can't remember whether you said you agreed with it or not, 
But I'm actually on the minority that I'm kind of on board with that. I think that each conference should be able to decide. Now, do I think that all the, as I said a second ago, I don't think that all the conferences made uh, the best decision uh, talking about the Big 12, or Big 10, and the Pac 12. But I, I'm not 100% on board. I think that there's positives and negatives to both. But I, I to an extent, agree with them. I, I, I'm not completely against that. Well, you know, the problem is it's with the NCAA, it's transparency. It's a lack of transparency. We don't know what's going on. They're kind of a shadowy figure, right? Like we don't. It's rolling the dice. That's, yeah, they have, we have no idea what kind of decision they're going to make. And, and they don't. About so many different things. They don't apply the rules adequately. They don't apply them on a le- There's no level playing field in college football. And I often, in, in politics, I absolutely hate that phrase, the quote-unquote level playing field, because it's just such a, I don't know, it's a monopolized term. In, in, in college athletics, though, it's, it's the absolute truth. There is no level playing field. And it seems like when, when a school breaks the rules, you go back to Ohio State when they played Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl. Are you kidding me? They violate the rules. I mean, it's not even – like, they don't even deny it. And these guys get to play on the promises that they they sit out a couple of games the next year. Like, how ridiculous is that? Um, the Big Ten didn't do anything as a conference. They didn't do anything to hold those guys responsible. The NCAA didn't do anything. I think if you have – I think a commish – I understand both sides of the aisle on that one. Your your take is – it's it, it makes sense. Like, let the conferences – you know, police themselves. The problem is that they don't. And the problem is that the NCAA doesn't. I don't know that a commission changes that either. I have no idea. But being able, instead of having this shadowy, you know, the shadowy, whatever they are, board of trustees or ex-coaches, whoever's making all the final decisions with the NCAA, I know there's names. We could point to names with the NCAA. But, like, there's no there's no one person. You look at Roger Goodell at the NFL when, when, pardon my French here, if you've got children in your car, earmuffs, when shit hits the fan in the NFL, who catches all the heat and is forced to make changes? It's Roger Goodell. It's not these shadowy figures hiding in, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the dark somewhere. You actually have someone that you can hold accountable. And I think if that were the case with college football or well, college athletics, and, and, and make sure that there's somewhat of a level playing field, which we know there never will be, but to at least have someone that you could hold responsible, point the finger at and say, hey, this needs to be fixed, or you're fired, or you're out the door. I mean, you just look, and I know it's different. It's apples and oranges when we're comparing the NFL to college football or college athletics, but still, I think the point remains the same. When you have someone that you can hold accountable, it seems like things are more likely to change, and you're you're more likely to have these rules upheld. I mean, it's... We hear about these cheating allegations all the time. How often is the NCAA actually looking into these? If you had a chancellor, if you if you had a commish, rather, maybe those things would actually happen. Um, the SEC does not police itself. Uh, it, you know, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, nobody really polices themselves. I mean, they just don't. The NCAA doesn't doesn't police because they know that financially it would be ridiculous to put someone like. Ohio State, get them in big trouble and have them actually turn out and, and, and ban those kids from that Sugar Bowl and then them lose. Like, that's not good for them financially. So they got to make sure they got to, you know, the rich continue to get richer in college athletics. I think that's, that's what sucks about college athletes or college athletics. The, 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 the fact that nobody is held accountable. Nobody. 
And then every once in a while, you do get an Ole Miss who, <laughs> I mean, they couldn't hide that. That was so out in the open with how they were cheating that there's nothing that Ole Miss could do. Of course, they would self, self-police, and the SEC and the NCAA kind of got involved there, and, and you know they got in trouble, and there were restrictions and what have you. But that is like the most extreme example of that happening. Um, Even Bobby Petrino hid his stuff better than Hugh Freeze did. I mean, yeah, Bobby so, Petrino obviously oh was was doing stuff with his with his employee, but Hugh Freeze was like calling escorts on the school's phone, like <laughs> burner phone, bro. Any, I mean, this this just took a totally different turn. But I mean, I'm that, but I'm pointing out like Ole Miss yeah. could hide absolutely nothing. It was pathetic, and you've got a player, you know, that stuff going back and forth. With the with the with an assistant, like they weren't even trying to hide it, and even then, no. I think you can make the argument that they still weren't truly, really punished the way they should have been. You know, hell, you had Sports Illustrated write an article or a, a magazine. Uh, how long ago was that? Now, like five years ago, all these allegations on Oklahoma State. How after they got rich, after T. Boone Pickens gave them a bunch of money, all of a sudden they started winning. And all these former players were coming to, to SI. I mean, you can Google this. It's crazy. All these allegations. I can't remember if the NCAA ever even got involved after this, this article had been written. But I'm thinking, like, if this were anything else, if this were, I don't know, a, a, a private equity firm somewhere, and, and this made front page of a, of a major magazine of Forbes or something, I have a feeling that the, the FBI or someone would get involved in absolutely – I don't think there was ever an investigation on Oklahoma State on that. Now, to be fair, it's not like Oklahoma State's a powerhouse. They're not. They have a couple of good seasons every once in a while, but they don't recruit great. They're not a top 10, top 25 recruiting program, but – like there's just nobody is ever really held accountable, even even when there's a light when there's light shed on on a, on a major platform like Sports Illustrated, and there's been other accusations. We know Alabama's been in the spotlight a few times, and uh, hell, even Arkansas has, you know. But it's it, I don't know. I think the rules should be upheld, and, and if these are going to be rules, now we I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole about pay, players and cheating and getting money and should they be paid and maybe some of that would go away. I'm not going down that rabbit hole, but a lot needs to happen in the NCAA and maybe a commish is a step in the right direction. I don't know. Maybe it's not, but I, I don't think self-policing in college athletics is happening at all. Um, it takes, it seems like the most extreme situations for the NCAA to actually act. And um, I guess that would be my, my decision changing. It would be to put someone in charge. How about that trip? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a that's a really good case. That's why I'm kind of in the middle. I think I said right at the very beginning that I agreed with it. I, I'm not 100% on board with that, but I think you just made a really good case. That's that's a solid point about Roger Goodell. Um, I guess I'm just kind of like, for, for instance, you know, I'm not trying to get into politics or whatever. I like how the states get to govern certain things, you know, about certain situations for politics. I guess I can see that too in some ways from a standpoint of college football, but you're right. At the end of the day, especially with what has been going on, I do think with this scenario that we are living right now, that there does need to be someone to take the fall for this. Cause I mean, it is just a complete disaster. It's a mess right now too, because you're going to have a year. Let's say the sec upholds its promises and that they have a season, the ACC, the big 12, the Big Ten's not going to be a part of it, and the Pac's not going to be a part of it. So you know those fans of those teams are going to say, well, there's just going to be a giant asterisk. 
you know, if Clemson goes on and wins the title, okay, well, you never had to play Ohio State. I mean, it's it's a mess. Again, I don't know if the commission answers that or not. I have no idea. But if all the conferences agreed that this guy is in charge, we have to like we we go by his uh, what his word is law, I guess. You know, um, or the executive branch. He's the he's the president of the executive branch of the NCAA. He is the commission. Um, and we're all on board, I think maybe maybe that's the right step in the right direction. Maybe we wouldn't have this just outright catastrophe. But then there's the other argument right now, who has the most power, the conferences, the teams in those conferences, or or the NCAA. We're in uncharted waters here. Like we, you know, and, and even us here at the Hog Talk, we have no idea what's going to happen. But it's a mess. Needless to say. Okay, last one. We really went went on on the Discord stuff. We're going to do one more question, and we're, we're going to sum it up in 20 seconds or less. Uh, Austin BF7025, how do you see the landscape of college football changing? Assuming the season goes as currently planned, is it the fall of the Big, <laughs> of the Big Ten or the Pack, or will it be business as usual? Will there be uh, where, where there be more realignment or everything stand pat? Okay, I think Austin Austin's drinking a little early. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think the I don't think the I've said since the beginning uh, when COVID really started to affect things when when they canceled March Madness, I felt like the landscape of college athletics is going to change forever. Um, yeah. It's not going to be the same. Will the Big Ten and will this be the fall of the Big Ten of the pack? No, I don't think so. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's not going to be the same. I don't think that they're going to be completely done away with. Now, some certain sports might be. Um, you're probably going to see a lot of like Olympic sports that will never come back, kind of like what we're seeing at Stanford. Uh, but uh, yeah, I could see some conference realignment as well. But no, it will never be the same. Yeah, that's the, so. He, what he meant to write there was, "Will there be more realignment or everything stand pat?" Yeah, there. If it's if if there's not any realignments. Within the next year or two, I think this pushed you further in that direction. I think COVID-19 and the era of COVID-19, as weird as that is to say now, has definitely pushed these conferences towards a realignment. If if it doesn't happen sooner than later, it's I think it'll happen. Okay, let's get into the meat potatoes. We're going to make this quick. Uh, next up in the next part of this podcast, the next segment, uh, Kyle and Cabo interview Lance Taylor, the executive director for Arkansas Athletics Association, also known as the AAA, the AAA. Um, so, Razorback football, Kyle, what can you tell us about this commit? Eli Henderson, who just committed, what, like three days ago, two or three days ago, 6'4", 290 offensive lineman, has Georgia and Arizona State offers. What do you, what, what do you got for us on Eli? Well, uh, I mean, you know, if you look at uh, the boards and some of the stuff on social media, he is a three-star, so he's just not worth anything. No, I'm kidding. All joking aside, we do see that a lot, though. I made a point about that on Twitter about how uh, people decide to uh, trash three-stars quite a bit, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, uh, no, all seriousness, Eli Henderson uh, out of Duncan, South Carolina, Burns High School, uh, according to Porter, who is uh, spent some time living in South Carolina, said that they are a pretty big powerhouse and right now, as you mentioned, he's got he's got offers from Arizona State and Georgia. Now, the kind of the backstory on Eli was, I, I want to say about a year ago when Sam Pittman was still at Georgia, Georgia was this kid's first offer. So Pittman's been on him pretty early. Uh, came to his school, gave him the offer. He was actually on one hundred three seven The Buzz the other night and told the story about 
uh, how it was just, you know, really overwhelming for him and was very excited not just to get an offer from a his for his very first one from a prestigious school like Georgia, uh, but for someone like Sam Pittman with his reputation uh, to be that way. And so he's just formed a great relationship with him. And kid's already 6'4", 290, and he's still got two years of high school football left to play. So I, I without question, think he'll eventually get his fourth star um, and just another great offensive lineman, I think, that will eventually come into uh, the program and do well. I mean, we've seen what Sam Pittman has done with offensive line throughout his entire career for, what, 25, 30 years? And right now, according to 247, he is the 28th overall offensive guard, uh, but it's looking like he will play center. I don't know why 247 does that. It's like they rate him as at a guard, but they have him as a center or a tackle or something. But yeah. either way, at, a, at his position, he's a 28th and then 12th overall in South Carolina. So definitely going to get more offers. And, and he said that his commitment is shut down. Maybe that is. But I guarantee there's going to be plenty of schools reach out to him over the next two years. And again, that's he's a part of the 2022 class. If you're making the mistake looking him up like I did in the 2021 class, he is most definitely part of the 2022 class. Um, yeah, and they have him. Yeah, like you said, he's a he's a top 30 guard so far in that class. But he's listed as center. Yeah, that's I don't know why they do that either. I noticed that it happens quite frequently. Yeah, like they'll be they'll be listed as a guard, but. But the position is a tackle. Like they'll be ranked as a guard, and then their position lifted as a tackle or yeah. whatever. It's, it's kind of confusing. I, I do like two four seven the most out of all the forums. Uh, also, switching over to Razorback basketball, we mentioned him earlier, and again, we're going to butcher this kid's name. A A call Mywin, six ten, two hundred five pound uh, forward, or, or I mean, he's 6'10". Maybe he could play the the five spot. I don't know, but he's got some pretty good offers already. TCU and Arkansas. He's a part of the 22 class, right? Am I crazy on that? Or 21? He's 21, so he'll be with Chance more. So they've got. So yeah. right now, the 21 class. It was uh, last week. We didn't have this time last week. We didn't have a single commit for 21. Then Chance Moore comes on Saturday, and then Mawine comes on. Uh, what was it? Uh, I guess Wednesday. So right now they're they're twenty two the twenty second overall for twenty one and then second in the SEC. So with those two guys, I imagine they'll probably bring on the for sure two more in this class. So they'll probably sign another of four. So it's four. I was going to ask you what you thought that number was. I thought it would be four. That's what it's looking like. I, I don't have this. I know that they now with it, Isaiah is coming back. They are at their scholarship max. Let's see. What do they? Uh, I know that. What do they have? Three seniors on the team. So um, yeah, they have. Or they have three or four seniors. I know that the grad transfers, and then, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I know they have three or four seniors. So they'll they'll and then of course you know there's always one or two guys that transfer typically. So I would for sure think that they're going to bring in four again. Um, yeah, that's what I thought too. That's when looking at, it, I'm pretty sure it's four. So yeah, your seniors you have. Uh, well, that can't be right. I have Isaiah Joe listed as senior. He is not a senior. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, J- JD Note Note JD or Desi Seals. Seals is a senior. Or is he Seals a is a senior or junior. I think he's a junior. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he came in with. I think he came in with Isaiah Joe and all that crew. Yeah, I think and so. Ethan yeah, Henderson. I'm pretty sure he's a junior. I think. So we posted on Twitter. We posted a poll. Uh, assuming they cancel fall football, we're just this will probably be the last thing that we we touch on. Assuming they cancel fall football, moving forward, what's the better option for the Power Five or you know FBS in general, really, for for these conferences? Is it 
to play in the spring? Do you think that would be a better option, assuming they were to do that, or just cancel the year altogether? Kyle, I never really got – I know you don't think that they would do it, but would it be a good idea to just – if you canceled fall football, if, they, if all the conferences, for whatever reason, because we know the narrative changes almost daily, um, and let's say – by the time this podcast airs tomorrow or today, later rather, on the 14th, if they come out and they say, we're done, we're all just going to cancel, would it be a good idea to cancel altogether or would you think it would be a better idea to go ahead and play spring ball? Desi as a junior, I just looked that up. Uh, no, I do think that uh, I think that it would be better to cancel. I'm just complete. Jeff Brom, the quarter, or the uh, coach from Purdue, the head coach from Purdue, you want to look it up on Twitter, you get, it's not that hard to find. You can look it up on any social media or on the website. But he actually had a pretty decent I, – I, I will say I looked over his proposal for the spring season. Starts on February 27th, and it's eight games, and then ends in, in April. So you still have time. you got about a month or so before the NFL draft. But I, mm. I still – like I, I, I understand and I appreciate him trying to make the effort for the kids to play – but I still just don't think it's feasible because what what you start that that also cuts into spring practice for twenty one. You you got to get back to normalcy at some point, and I don't think that mm-hmm. as as an like a world or as a country, whatever, we're not going to be back to the shaking hands and the hugging when we see each other for quite some time. I think we'll eventually maybe get back to that, but complete normalcy will not happen for a little while. But but it, but as it stands for like your football team or your athletic program, you want to try to get back to that as soon as possible. And if you play the spring cement, you're not. You're going to wear your athletes out. I've said before, I get that these kids are 18 to 22 years old. They're in prime shape. They're in the best condition of their life. But we want to talk about this, you know, like the, like the Big Ten saying all that hogwash about how this is the safety of the kids. Bull crap. I don't buy that for a second. It's That's, that's just complete baloney. It's more unhealthy for the kids to play a, play in the spring and then you go right into spring practice or you go right into summer workouts and then you're playing another like the, I'm sorry but the human I'm not a doctor so maybe this is wrong but I just don't see how you can play two seasons in one year like like in this in the same year within months of each other that's just not healthy for the human body I don't care how young you are um, again I'm not a physician so maybe they would refute that but I have played football before. Granted, it was only at the high school level, up to the high school level. But for many, and you're not your your top players aren't going to play. There's so many other there's so many other things that you're going to try to squeeze in with basketball and baseball. I, I just don't see it happening. Again, I appreciate the efforts of Scott Frost and Jeff Brom and even Ryan Day. Some of the things that Jim Harbaugh has said. I think Jim Harbaugh has made more efforts than the Michigan program overall. Um, but I just don't, I don't see it happening. I know I just went on a huge rant there, but I, I just don't see it. I, <laughs> well, I, I can't see how it happens. I see where Pete Thamel, um, uh, so he said this on, it was today. Yeah. Actually eight fifteen this morning, just spoke to produce Jeff Brom about his plan for the spring. He stressed that he's open to working with the big 10 and doesn't see this as a definitive plan. The point here is to prove that it can be done Limiting padded practices, contact, and wear and tear are keys. And I'm looking at the plan here, and it starts like their, I guess their two week training camp buildup starts on would start on Saturday, January 16th, and that would go through that first, you know, all the way up till January 29th. And this is 2021, obviously. 
four days a week, eight hours of strength conditioning, four hours walk through, four hour meeting and film. I think that's pretty much the basis now. Uh, not obviously not in January. I think that's actually their their uh, spring. That's how they typically handle their spring. Saturday, January thirtieth. Let's see. I'm going down this thing. Uh, Saturday, May first. Sixteen playoff. Okay, so the eight game season would start Saturday, February twenty seventh. Yeah, and then end on April seventeenth, and then end on April. So I guess 17th. about a month before the NFL draft. You'd have an eight game season, no bye week. Two week prep before postseason begins, which I, I, I mean, I guess you would have to do, right? But uh, and then, so then what? You've got a you've got a national champion for spring and a national championship for fall. I'm sure that's not going to cause any debates on Twitter. <laughs> what what asterisks? What do you mean asterisks? Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, and, and I say that like you know, I mean, all joking aside, like. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, big deal. It's like it's a Twitter debate. What's what do we not debate about on Twitter? But then it's like, True. We, you think we debate hard about like the fit, like a fifth and a sixth seed in a college football playoff, like whether we should have like eight spots or sixteen or whatever? Can you imagine? Because obviously, it's going to be between the ace as it stands right now on August thirteenth, as we're recording. It's going to be between the ACC, SEC, and and Big Ten or uh, Big Twelve. So you're going to have that champion. And then, I mean, what then? What are we going to do? Like in, in the f- springtime after April, we're going to have the national champion for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 play the one of the other three power five. I mean, it's just like it, it's so many things that just don't make any sense. Like it just does not need to happen. They have it, here, it, and it can't full. Okay, full discretionary period up to three months off. No mandatory, no mandatory workouts at this time, which is April eighteenth, uh, in the end of the season. And then you report back uh, Monday, July 19th. Let's see. So that's, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't know, Kyle. I kind of look at this and I'm like, ah, you know what? If it gives you a football, it may not be a terrible idea. But then you're right, though. Like, that's a lot. That's no, a, that's a lot it. of football. I'm not saying that I don't necessarily, like, not want it. Right. But – Looking at the like the actual probability and reason, like what like the reasonability of it. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I it's for me, it's too early. I I don't know right now if if Brian Brom, who obviously is the Purdue head, or Jeff Brom, excuse me, is the is the head coach at Purdue. Um, he's I mean, obviously this guy wants it, and he's saying that it's yeah, feasible. Absolutely, I'm all about. I I, I admire his efforts. I do a for uh, effort. I truly admire. Yeah, and you know what? We might come on here around Christmas time, and I might say, you know what? There's been more probably because we're so early in this. I mean, yeah. hell, like whenever we started, whenever we started talking about this, whenever it shut down in March, uh, I'm sure that we feel differently about certain situations. So you know what? In December, I might have a different opinion, and I'll come on here and I'll say it, and I'll admit I was wrong, but I don't think I am right. And and who's to say what the odds are that COVID isn't even worse by this point, anyways? Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of this ten game SEC schedule, playing it in the fall and being done with it. I, you know, that's that's yeah. my opinion. But uh, if yeah. if you if assuming things are going the way that we hope that they're going at that point in time, maybe I, I don't know that I would be necessarily opposed to it. I'm with you. I think it's right now it's too early for me to make a decision, but I mean, at least someone's out there trying to show, Hey, it's possible. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it or not, but I'm going to, I want to really comb this over and look at it. 
Um, but I really think I think that's going to do it for this first segment. Is there anything else we wanted to mention or talk about? I know I'm forgetting something, Kyle. I always am. Uh, I mean, we got the Discord questions kind of. T- I mean, really, man, there's not a whole lot to say about the Big Ten and the Pac-12. That's just beside. I'll say this. I'll make this point real quick, and because I, I want to make it clear, because I know that I was really hard on both conferences on Twitter, and I mean every word that I said about the Big Ten. But I'll <laughs> I say this: say, about don't the take it back. So. Yeah, well, I'm not going to take it back per se, but I will say that the Pac-12 at least covered their tracks a little bit. Now, um, I've heard some people say to me like that have replied to my tweets that said, well, it makes a little more sense in the Pac-12 country because they've got extreme – like California has the most cases out of any – California, I think, is first, and Arizona, I want to say, is eighth. And between those two states, there's like 700,000 cases. But you look at Florida and you look at Texas, there's over a million cases there. And those states, majority of schools, are play, at least in the SEC, the Sun Belt, and uh, the – Big 12 are playing football, so that really doesn't hold a ton of weight. Uh, but the Pac-12 didn't release a schedule. They really didn't say – like, they didn't contradict themselves too bad or really at all within a week. Now, you look at the Big 10, they released a schedule last Wednesday, and it wasn't even a full week before they canceled. It was six days that they canceled football. Meanwhile, 13 out of 14 universities in their conference are going to allow students on campus. They're going to allow people to like a- athletes to practice 20 hours a week. That's what really doesn't make sense. And then Michigan's, I, I believe it's the president that has one tweet pen talking about how they're welcoming students into classes, not virtually, actually in the classroom. And then follows that tweet up talking about and I and I can't remember it exactly. I'll have to go back and look, but I know he talks about welcoming students to campus and then he talks about the uh, the health of the football team and fall athletics being first and foremost. No, it's not. It's for the universities. Yeah, exactly. For the universities. There's no question about that. So credit the Pac twelve a little bit for covering their tracks a lot better than the Big Ten. But the problem with the Big Ten is you look at – so you look at Ohio State and Clemson. Those are the two schools that are competing. SEC – and I'm not trying to be the SEC channer guy or or rooting for all the schools in the SEC, but you look at football without question. No other conference can can compete with it overall. Ohio State and Clemson are the only schools outside of the SEC that are right there at the top. I don't count Oklahoma. Oklahoma is good until they get to the college football playoff. That, that's really what it comes to with fact there. You mean when they actually so, play someone good? Right, when they actually play somebody. So, And the reason I bring that up is because the Big Ten was actually getting to the point Wisconsin plays some pretty good football. Minnesota had a really good year this past season. Ohio State's just on a whole other different level. Michigan was like they, they get there and they just can't quite get over the hump, beat Ohio State, beat the good teams during bowl season in most cases. But they were really beginning to make some progress, I think. And now all of that hard work just went to your recruiting's going to suffer your enrollment is going to suffer. I, I'm I'm terrified about the enrollment. That kind of goes back to one of the Discord questions. But the Big Ten, I, I mean, you people were already making fun of you. It, it's it's just a absolute joke. I can't even imagine the amount of comedians right now that are writing their scripts uh, talking about the Big Ten. I mean, I, I mean that with all seriousness. And um, they completely botched this. Kevin Warren is is probably going to have to go into witness protection. A absolute <laughs> joke of a leader for that conference, leader or lack thereof. I've never seen anything worse in, in my entire life. There's a lot of things I could say about Roger Goodell in the NFL, but I have never seen worse leadership than what I have seen with Kevin Warren. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely embarrassing and despicable. 
Yep. Yep. And I'll just say this. Um, it's it's kind of messed the whole picture up for, for 2020 for college football. Like, it's just – yeah. And that's not necessarily those conferences' fault. And those, you know, like they didn't ask for COVID. You know, this all goes back to COVID. But yeah. it's just—I agree with what you said. This is—it's a—it's just a joke, really. And it's—it's it's so disappointing that these guys aren't stepping up to the plate in the way that they probably should. At least be—at least be, you know, consistent with your message. And we're not seeing that. I mean, and, you release uh, a full schedule, and six days later. Just kidding. Yeah. There's, and and your coaches are fine. I mean, and everybody was just crapping all over Nebraska. And I'm like, you know what? At least they're fighting, man. Like, like yeah. I said about Jeff Brom. Jim Harbaugh did a pretty good job of it. Ryan Day. I would say Jeff Brom and and Scott Frost, Frost. have – you couldn't have done a much better job. Now, yeah. Frost, the, Frost hasn't done the greatest job at Nebraska, but in terms of <laughs> – what in terms of how hard he is fighting for his team, I admire it. Yeah, and as long along with Jeff Brown, he's got that chip on his shoulder, man. Maybe he was born in Arkansas. Yeah. I don't know. He's Scott uh, Frost was. No, I was kidding. I, I was saying maybe he oh. was born in Arkansas because oh. he's got that chip yeah. on his shoulder, you know. And he's 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 taking on all comers, like you know, not like they're playing a, 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 a schedule anywhere near as tough as Arkansas's is, but. They know what they have, and they know what they're up against. And he's like, you know what? Let's just play. Carry on. Let's play the season. Let's go. And he's he's threatening to leave. He's threatening to play another conference. Like that's how badly they want to play. And I freaking love it. I'm 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 loving it. You know, he was. He, we know what he did down at UCF. He's a hell of a coach down there. Okay, I I thought the whole fake ring. We're national champ stuff was like over the top. Like, let's be real. If you were to play in the playoffs, you would have gotten smashed. But hey, I'm here for it. If I were a fan of UCF, I'd have been all over that. And I love what he's doing in Nebraska. I love these coaches that are like, no, no, we're going to play. Forget you. We're going to play. We will go back to the Big 12 if we have to. You know, we'll, we'll make it happen one way or another. It doesn't really matter. We're going to, it's going to happen. I, I love the attitude. They want to play, man. That's what these guys are, after all. They're, they're coaches, they're players, you know. But it's it's that extra little chip on their on their shoulders. These guys that are trying to make a point, and I'm here for it. Okay, um, that's going to do it for this segment. Next up, Lance Taylor, the executive director of uh, Arkansas Athletics Association, going to be interviewed by Cabo and Kyle Sutherland. You guys stick around for that. And uh, yeah, Woo Pig Suey, go Hogs. Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. We're back on episode number 113 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon here, and we're happy to be joined by the AAA Arkansas Activity Association Executive Director Lance Taylor. And Lance, really appreciate you taking some time out. I know you have had probably about as crazy of a schedule as you've ever had in your career. But before we get started here, something a little bit unrelated to at least Arkansas high school athletics uh, they released, and then in the last couple of days, that the Pac 12 and the Big 10 
uh, have canceled their seasons or quote unquote are moving to spring. Uh, what it, what do you think about that? Were you kind of surprised that they did just a little bit of a knee jerk reaction as opposed to the Big Twelve, SEC, and ACC? Yeah, it's it's, it's funny that they're not all on the same page. Uh, and but I guess you know I say that um, I know that you know there's 50 state associations, Kyle, just like us, and 37 of them are moving ahead, and and 13 of them have decided to delay it to the spring. So I I guess. In our case, it's different in every state. You know, cases are different and situations are different. So, again, in our state, we're in a pretty good position. I mean, I know the, the numbers keep going up and down. But, again, our numbers are pretty consistent. They're just not going out, out of the roof, which is good for us and for our kids. So, again, we're, we're just all a little bit different. But, again, I still think it's easier for high schools to manage things instead of states going from state to state all the time because – even those, even those two colleges, they've canceled golf, tennis, cross country, everything. And so again, we're already started our sports in those, and, and we hadn't had a problem yet so far. So that's that's a good thing, and we're giving our kids opportunity to compete and have interscholastic competition. And I, I'm proud of that because I'm happy for the kids. Lance, you are a part of the governor's committee, and y'all were to meet today. I'm assuming you, you met this morning. Uh, talk a little bit about what y'all had discussed. I know there's a lot of great minds on there from the edu- have an education background and a medical background, but go a little bit into what y'all had discussed. And is this a week by week thing that y'all are doing right now? Yeah. Well, actually, like the last two weeks we've already met four times, so Good. it's yeah. pretty intense. Uh, and there's so much material to cover because. Once you, you know, we, we already got the Department of Health to approve golf and tennis and cross country. So we know we're up and running. So now, right now, we're working on four different issues and really more than that, but just sports. It's four issues, but we've, we've been working on football and uh, volleyball and cheer and dance because they're coming up quickly. Matter of fact, benefit games for volleyball and football can begin next week. So we're trying to get all that information, get to see where we are so we can get it ready to send it out. And it's, and it's it's putting a lot of stress on the schools because there's a lot of guidelines they're going to have to follow. And I feel for them because school people are planners. Coaches are planners. Teachers are planners. Superintendents are planners. You always plan. You're always trying to get something. And when things just come up to you at the last second, it puts a lot of stress on you. But they've been they've handled it and, and are just looking forward to the opportunity if we get it to, to start competition. But – We've also been doing a lot of meetings with the Department of Health with band and choir. And because they put out some guidelines and they're very, very difficult, and they've come out with some studies since then that can hopefully reduce some of the restrictions in those two activities to allow our kids in band and choir to go ahead and move forward and make it easier for their instructors to work with them at school. So anyway, it's, 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 it's so fluid. It, it doesn't change day by day. It changes hour by hour, tell you the truth. And Lance, I've got a two-part question here for you. So has the AAA set forth guidelines as far as travel goes? Now, week zero starts, uh, it was at August 27th, but there's some junior high schools I know around the state that are going to play their games on the first day. I know, I know for instance, Bryant goes to Pine Bluff on August 24th. 
do you guys have any kind of guidelines for the buses? Some teams might have one bus, some might have two or three. So how, how is that going to go about to start well, off? And, and we're already busing kids, to tell you the truth. We've already bused them to golf and tennis competitions right now, okay? So what we, right now, when you don't have as many numbers on the bus, it's easier for golf and tennis So because you, you're going to say we're going to spread them out as much as you can, and hopefully you can get them in that six-foot distance if you can, but you're going to mask them up. And, of course, you're going to um, – you're going to put down the windows because the more air you can get circulating that bus, the better it is for those kids because they're not breathing each other's air. It's just flowing through and it gets out. That's why it's so much harder to play indoors with respiratory droplets and outdoors because the wind will disperse that quickly. And the second part I have of that, now look at locker rooms. Now, I, I won't name the school, but when I was in high school, we had a visitor locker room. We got put under the bleachers, uh, so under the, the visitor stands, and we were literally elbow to elbow. Obviously, you can't have that right now. Is if Let's just say that that's in some schools around the state, that might be the only option. And that's a scenario. Do you put up tarps where they, the kids can dress and the coaches, or how would you go about that part? And, and we're working on all, all those guidelines right now. Of course, it hadn't come into effect with golf and tennis, but it's going to with football and volleyball. And they might have to travel further. You know, most time in football, you go to the closest place and you're jammed in there. You might have to go to their, their arena or their gym, which is maybe – you know, it's going to be further away and they're going to have to walk back and forth and spread out in the whole gym just to help them give room. But we've talked with that with the schools. We're going to give them directions on that as soon as if we get to move forward. And also uh, more, you know, just as important, we told them the same thing with the with the officials. You know, we want this, the officials to be able to go into a clean room, but also be spread out six foot apart because we have to have our officials if we're going to have ball games. And so we do not want – we want to make them as safe as possible, just like we do the kids and the coaches. You know, Lance, I appreciate that. A lot of people forget about the officials in that situation. And, you know, my dad, who's 67, we call them a football crew together. So – it's good that we're looking at the whole picture here. But I do want to talk about the smaller schools. Is this going to be a bigger challenge for the smaller schools because there's so many different, like you mentioned, they're going to have to spread them out. They might have to put them in a gym to get dressed. Is this going to be a challenge for them? And if they, if something happens to these school, the smaller schools, if they do get a case or two, is it more likely to shut them down than the larger classifications? Well, and, and that's a great question, Kevin. Uh, but first of all, uh, I, I think it's going to be different than it's ever been for all schools. I don't think it's going to be harder on anybody. I think it's just going to be different than we've ever gone through. But I think our charge is to make it as safe as possible for our students and our coaches and our fans and our officials, everybody. And, and so there's ways we're going to do that. We've even looked at – we're going to probably – of course, you're, you just said you're on a football officiating crew. We're going to move – the uh, team box to 10 yard to 10 yard line. And our coaches are still going to have to stay 25 to 25 so they can stay where right. they're supposed to, but we want the kids to spread out. If they're not playing, we want them to be social distance on the sideline. We want to get, we want to clean up the sidelines. And if you're not as, uh, you know, us on that staff or essential personnel for that game, there's no reason for you to be on that sideline. So we're going to clean that up for all the schools to help them, to keep them away from their kids. Uh, the media is going to be crunched down from the 10 to the end zone or in the back of the end zone. So we'll have to put them on each end. But, again, it's just we're going to do things different and to be safe, and that's okay. I mean, it, it's just going to be a little adjustment. It'll take a little time, but but I think we'll get there. And I know one thing, and I've talked to 
a whole lot of coaches, their kids are doing everything right, not only at school and being social distance and masking, but when they're going home because these kids want this opportunity. And that's what, that's what I think a lot of people forget about out there. You only have a certain amount of time in your childhood to make childhood memories, and this is their time. And they're a part of a team, a group that sacrifices and, and thinks more about the team than they do themselves. That's how a team works. So, again, we want to give them every opportunity to finish the season, which I think is even more important than starting the season. We want them to finish and so they can have the memories that they're supposed to have during, the, during their childhood. And Lance, talking about safety for the players, I'll start off with, with Carol Fleming, who's the president of the Arkansas Education Association. One quote that she made is, while they are students first, extracurricular activities do help round out their emotional development. And just from the outside looking in from what I've seen, I, I think yourself and your team and the governor have done a great job of making sure that first and foremost, it's all about the safety. But uh, one person that made headlines, Jonesboro Superintendent Kim Wilbanks, a member of the, the board, um, she had put out an article last week that uh, she didn't feel that you guys were on the same page, or at least she didn't feel the AAA was on the same page as the governor, uh, stating that the AAA basically has not been asked anything about football. Now, just from your side and what you've experienced in your position, do you feel that that basically you guys have worked hand in hand with the governor and he's doing everything within his part to listen to you guys' opinions and just, again, uh, go back to the safety of the kids. Okay. That, that's a great question too. And I'm glad you brought that up because we've, we've sent out something from Dr. Will Banks. I'm not going to speak for Dr. Will Banks on sure, here. Sure. I mean, she's superintendent Jonesboro, but her, line of question was taken out of context. So I'm going to leave that right there because I wasn't there. And so, but again, uh, we have been in daily contact with the governor's office or the department of health. And I tell you what, I, I don't want to be either one of those folks right now. And because they're, they're, it's unbelievable all the things that the department of health is having to do. You know, we're just talking about athletics and starting school, which they're right there daily but just think of everything else they're having to deal with from restaurants to travel to everything that's affected by COVID they're having to make regulation guidelines for so those people those people have done a great job and they've communicated which is even more important and so has the governor's office everybody over there has been wonderful to us so that we have met and talked and we're on the same page. And we've talked about getting everything started and hopefully getting everything finished. Let's talk about the middle. Assuming we do have a case or two that pops up here, you know, for a player, what is the insurance coverage like for the schools these days? I know when I played, you, you signed a waiver and you could waive insurance or you were covered by the school during athletic competition. How is that, how is that going to change if it is going to change? And, you know, can those kids expect, you know, the best coverage possible from the state standpoint? I think so. I think they've done that for every citizen of Arkansas. I think that's what the governor's been working on. If you've seen, you know, all the testing is free and everything that they're providing for people, I, I, I think that's so. Now, I can't speak for local school districts because they're all different. Uh, right. But, of course, most parents do have insurance or they're signed up with our kids or something like that. So most most of every kid that I know of in the school is covered with something uh, – and it might be the school secondary with the parents first or vice versa, whatever they have to do, but they've made it possible that the kids are covered that I'm aware of.
and let's talk about we saw that the Little Rock School District had three had four benefit games next week, and three of them have been postponed or canceled. Little Rock Hall was the only one at Scott Field. They're supposed to play Desark. What what are they waiting on there? I know Coach Daniels, the athletic director for LRSD, submitted his proposal to the Arkansas Department of Health. What is the holdup there? Are they just waiting on the plan to get back, or what's the situation? Now, of course, I'm not over there, so I can't speak for them. But okay, I just yeah. think I just think they're overwhelmed. I mean, I think everybody is. And I don't I don't care if you want to talk about a school trying to get ready with their teachers and their students coming back. So, I mean, all this is brand new to everybody, mm-hmm. and so everybody's trying to be so cautious, which they should be, because it's about the safety of everyone. But again, I, I just I think there's a lot of people just so busy right now trying to get everything getting ready to start, of course, just about August 24th with school and then everything that's going on around it. I just think, you know, they're just backed up, but I think they're hiring more people daily and I think they'll get through it. And Lance, one final question I have for you. This might be more something to ask the Department of Health, but I know that right now, especially like in, in offensive line drills, the, the coaches are spraying down the the two or five man sleds every single rep and a lot of the receivers and quarterbacks are using hand sanitizer between reps. Do you guys plan on doing that as of now with like in, in games, are they going to have hand sanitizer for the refs and put, put it on the ball or how, how is that going to go again? That might be the department of health question. I'm not sure. It's more there because it'll be their guideline. So it is, but again, you know, we've already, and Kevin can probably tell you, we've been putting out things to our officials tell them, Hey, if you want to wear long sleeve, even though it's hot, wear them if you think that protects you from being touched or or wear gloves they can you know we're allowing officials to wear the mask you know whatever they feel comfortable doing we that's that's our goal is to make sure everybody's as safe as they they can possibly be and so we're making arrangements with officials just to help them be safe and you know we've even you know on the field doesn't scare me about officials tell you the truth and and, and kevin can probably attest to this because he's on a football crew but what football crews like to do is ride in one car Right. <laughs> okay. And all five or six of them cram in there and they have it. They, you know, they have a good time communicating the whole way, but also they do, Kevin, don't, don't y'all talk about plays or situation or changing rules and y'all kind of work on that and go through all those scenarios. Why do we have an onside kick? Well, you know, all those things that you do as a crew trying to get prepared for the game and you, and you want to talk to it together. So we've, we've, you know, that, that worries me a little bit. I think they'll probably have to, you know, separate a little bit more or they're going to have to communicate during the week. And, you know, if you if you get any kind of fever or symptom or sore throat, hey, better sit out, better get a substitute this week and get them in there because we just want them to be safe. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and we've talked to our guys, and, of course, we have our regular five, and then we have a sub that's there with us. But – we've already discussed that, hey, yeah, we can meet during the week, make sure we're watching. And, you know, the AAA and Christy Clark has done a great job of providing game film, and the coaches do as well on providing game film so we know what to expect before we get there on Friday night. So it's not a surprise. And it's just going to be more pregame in the locker room instead of getting there an hour and a half ahead. You may get there two hours before game time. That way some of the talking on the ride down to wherever you're going can take place in the locker room and we could be spread out socially distanced properly. So, yeah, that, that's the big thing right there, that we're making small adjustments just to make sure you know, we're being safe so we can play the games and can officiate the games in, in the best way possible. 
Yeah. And Kyle, I, I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, our, our officials aren't, you know, they don't get – that's not their job. Sure. They have a job, and they do this because they love and they want to give back and be around kids and love the game themselves. So, you know, they make sacrifices. I think people don't realize that, and they're away from their families, and they go out on Thursday, junior high nights, and Friday, senior high nights, and they get back late at night. So we've got to have those people, and they just do a wonderful job, and, and it's a big sacrifice for them. Yeah, and that's uh, – going along with what you were just saying there, I'm kind of glad that uh, these – officials don't go to some of the parents' jobs and critique their positions at their jobs, like the way <laughs> that the officials exactly right. <laughs> I know Kevin can definitely appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, we've been talking with uh, Executive Director for the AAA, Lance Taylor, and Lance, really appreciate you taking some time out again for us. I'll reiterate that from the beginning. And I know I speak for all of us here at the Hog Talk. I think actually all of us were uh, athletes at some point in the state of Arkansas under the AAA, and I can't even imagine what it would be like, especially if I was a senior and, and – my, my season is at risk. And so we appreciate all that you guys are doing to you and the Department of Health and Governor Hutchinson. Um, you know, there's always going to be naysayers, but we appreciate all the work that you guys are doing to ensure that we get to, to start and finish the season. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate both of y'all having me on here today. Thank you. You bet, Lance. Uh, well, that will do it for episode 113 of the Hog Talk podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. For Kevin Bohannon, Lance Taylor, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.